the Canadian national team of today would absolutely destroy that Gold Cup winning side from the year 2000. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of TFC Story. Today's episode is going to look at the Canadian national team, and this is going to be the last episode that we drop for a little while. Um, the way that we're planning to release episodes is in little bunches like this throughout the season from time to time. So this is the third episode in the first handful. And as I said, we're going to look at the Canadian national team. But before I do that, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about my background again and the history of Canadian soccer for me. So just to give you an idea, I'm in my early 40s. So that puts me in a very unique time period in terms of Canadian soccer history. So I was definitely alive in 1986 when Canada qualified for, so far, their one and only World Cup appearance. But at that time, neither of my parents were very sporty or, or into sports. I was myself still really too young to really grasp sort of the wider world beyond what I knew with my, my own sandbox and playmates and play area and, and so on. So I was completely oblivious to the fact that the Canadian national team was in the World Cup. I was completely oblivious to professional sport in general. So for me, professional soccer or football only came into my consciousness more in the 90s, mid-90s, about a decade later, I would say. And that's when I started to become aware of it a little bit more. So for me, in terms of the Canadian national team, the heroes for me are that gold-winning, uh, gold-cup-winning side of, of the 2000s, or, well, the year 2000. And for me, those guys are legends. And when I look back on them now, and I compare them to the Canadian national team of today, it's unbelievable, because as good as those players were back in the year 2000... The Canadian national team of today, who, by the way, are quite young, most of them in their early 20s still, the Canadian national team of today would absolutely destroy that Gold Cup winning side from the year 2000. And I say that with all due respect, because I love that team. But yeah, not only would they beat them, but they would destroy them at this point. And I look back, I just recently looked back at that roster. Of course, there are players that we remember, we loved. Um, Paul Pichicelito. Carlo Corazan. I mean, these guys really rose to the occasion, uh, for those of you old enough to remember. And But you look at the teams that they were playing for and, and uh, exactly where they were sort of in the football pyramid. And obviously they had great players. One in particular, uh, a legend of the Canadian game, Dwayne de Rosario. But at this point in time, he was still playing for the Richmond Kickers. And in itself, actually, that's quite an accolade that he was able to rise to the top of the game in North America without having a professional domestic league of his own in which to develop, and never really developing in Europe either. He spent the majority of his career in the United States, and even though he was a Canadian and considered a, an international you know, foreigner, he was able to pick up a spot on, on teams and, and rise, to the, rise to the top and have the success that he had. But at this point, it was quite early in his career. And it's interesting, when I go back and I look at the teams that these players were playing for, most of them... I mean, if you remember at the time, uh, as I said, there was no domestic league, no professional domestic league in Canada. So if you were an aspiring footballer in Canada, really what you wanted to do was go test yourself in Europe. And really, any European club would be 
a huge step up. So if you made Chester City, for example, like Martin Nash, or I don't know, you were able to find um, some uh, some work at Oxford United, you know, one of these clubs, like Mark Watson, for example. So uh, this was a huge step up. This was a huge accomplishment at the time. But when I look at this roster and I look at like the really big teams, there's really only two players on the entire 2000 Gold Cup winning side for Canada that were actually playing for what I would consider a big club in one of the top leagues in Europe. Most of the players were not playing in top leagues or they were playing sort of in the lower divisions within those top leagues. The two players that sort of stand out are Paul Stolteri. He was playing for Werder Bremen. And, uh, of course, the goalkeeper, Craig Forrest, for West Ham. Now, Paul Stolteri at this time was still an aspiring player. He wasn't quite established yet in the Werder Bremen side. He would be in, in the next few years to come. And, of course, Werder Bremen would go on to win the, the Bundesliga as well. Um, and he would play an integral part and later go on to play for Tottenham in England. So, obviously, had a fantastic career at this point. He was playing for a big club, one of the only Canadians uh, seemingly doing so, but he's, he wasn't yet an established player. Craig Forrest was more of an established player for West Ham at that time. West Ham wasn't quite as good as they are now, uh, but at least they were a top team in England, which is one of the top leagues in the world. So, you know, you could you could make a case there for one or two players on the Canadian side. And again, that speaks volumes to how well this team came together under Holger Osiak, how they were able to be greater than the sum of their parts. But again, it just goes to show how far we've come since then, that now the Canadian men's national team, you look at the players playing on it, and not only are they playing in the top domestic leagues around the world, but they're playing for some of the top clubs in those top domestic leagues. You know, we've got... Players at FC Porto, um, Besiktas, Lille, um, Bayern Munich. I mean, these are top, top sides, and they're playing in the Champions League, and the difference between then and now is just night and day, basically. So that's why, with all due respect, I say the Canadian men's national team of today would absolutely destroy the Gold Cup winning side of the year 2000. But, of course, for me, I have very happy memories of that Gold Cup winning side and uh, for me that was the highlight of Canadian soccer up until this point. Obviously with World Cup qualifying everyone's probably aware but for all intents and purposes actually the Canadian men's team have already qualified knock on wood so to say. Um, it's not math math <laughs> it's not mathematically confirmed yet but our next match is away to Costa Rica three points and then it is mathematically confirmed. Uh, possibly we can qualify with a draw. Possibly we'll, we'll qualify even if we lose. We've got a home match coming up against Jamaica, another away match against Panama, who, to be fair, are, uh, they're all good sides, but we just need three points, basically, from these next three games. So it's looking very good for Canadian soccer. And in the last round of World Cup qualifying, in which Davies was injured, what I really found interesting was that I kind of resigned myself to the fact that he wasn't going to be playing in these matches. And then once the matches came along and the teams were announced and starting 11s, I actually forgot about Davies. Um, and that speaks volumes to the depth of this team. We're not just a one-man team. It's not all about Davies. Obviously, he's head and shoulders our best player, but we've got other really quality players, and you have to have that because over the years we've had the Dwayne De Rosarios, you know, but you, especially in football, one man can't really carry a team. You could have the greatest player of all time, whether you want to call it Maradona, Pele, 
Ronaldo, Messi, whoever. You put that one player on, I don't know, Chester United, for example. That Chester United team's not suddenly going to become a world beater. You need players around you, and that's what Canada has, and that's the amazing thing, that we can lose somebody like Davies, and we don't really skip a beat. So um, things are definitely looking well for Canada. Things are on the up, and with Davies coming back, hopefully for the next World Cup qualifiers, it's going to be even better, but certainly for Canadian fans, it's all roses ahead, and uh, it seems like we are about four years ahead of schedule, of where we should be at this point. And credit has to go to Herdman for that as well. Um, he gets the best out of this team. His his psychology is really interesting. Um, not not referring to substitutes as substitutes, but as finishers. Uh, so kind of giving them a, a greater sense of importance, just using a different term, but it, it really means a lot. And, and the way that he can spur them on and encourage them moving forward, the way that he can bring the team together is just uh, is just fantastic. So plenty to look forward to in the Canadian calendar. Me and my co-host will be back, and uh, we'll be taking another look at KFC, how the season's progressed so far, another look possibly ahead to the MLS playoffs, and of course the World Cup in Qatar, which is coming up as well. So stay tuned, stay subscribed, rate, review, and help spread the word. We appreciate it, and we thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.